ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. The light has gone out on Dave Doran's cigar. Devin Leary took fewer shots than a Bob Jones frat party. Clemson is 5-0. Life is good. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben and Cody. We are the Clemson Podcast. We're here to recap Clemson's 30-20 victory over North Carolina State on Saturday night at Death Valley. Boys, doesn't get any bigger than that win. I don't know if the game played out how we thought it might, but uh, crucial to get this win. Um, amazing progress by this team. One year on from that difficult loss up in Raleigh. How are you guys feeling a couple days removed from the game? Well, like we're back on top of the ACC and last year was just kind of an aberration um, and that we're very much potentially a playoff team this year. Um, this team has continued to improve game by game. And, you know, I got to say, there's no better showcase for, for Clemson football than game day um, at a night game in Death Valley. Like the the entrance, how they're still doing that all these years later, showing, um, you know, that on TV, guys getting on the bus, coming around the, the stadium and then onto the hill. And now all the new lighting effects are just absolutely amazing. I'm actually quite surprised that Clemson traditionalists aren't whining more <laughs> about kind of changing up that um, or altering that tradition with the with the lighting effects and everything, but I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and you could see it in Dabo's eyes at the top of the hill. That team was ready, um, and they were out for revenge from last year, and they went out and got the job done. A game very reminiscent of years past, I would say. Like the Louisville game stands stands out in my mind with Lamar Jackson. Uh, just a, a game where it's like early season, but it's a real test. And we will talk to the extent that NC State was a legitimate top 10 team. We'll talk about that later. But clearly they were a good team. Clemson showed up. They had to have, you know, they had to have extreme focus, extreme intensity. And I think they brought it on, on all levels. Ben, to your point, that was that's great marketing for the program. I think they've, they've done that twice before. I could be wrong. Could be a little bit more, a little bit less. But um, great marketing. It made the ACC primetime game look like SEC prime time and maybe even better it was yeah, great marketing for clemson great marketing for the acc couldn't agree more huge recruiting night um, as well had a lot of guys in the 2024 class there um, at the stadium so uh, great great for that exposure also as you guys said just for the brand nationally um, and definitely to go out and win the game the way they did i thought was also obviously really good um as we get into this game, guys, I also feel like that focus came a lot from what we saw the week prior against Wake Forest. So I think if Clemson had gone up there and dog walked Wake, maybe there wouldn't have been that level of focus um, from the defense that we saw. And definitely, I thought the offense played a very crisp game as well. So, you know, the, just the way this schedule has set up and the sequence of teams we've had has really given the coaching staff the time to bring players along. We've had a lot of youth get in there on this team this year so far. 
um, everything's set up really nicely from the way the ACC set up our schedule. So, um, you know, I, I don't want <clears throat> to credit the wind to that necessarily, but, you know, the team has definitely played their, their hand the right way in terms of setting up for this game. Yeah. And there's, I mean, it's still a long season left. There's, there's plenty of traps on this schedule. You got Florida state um, coming up, uh, you know, first order of business will be Boston college up in Boston um, uh, and next week. Um, but yeah, all signs are pointing up for this team. You continue to see them improve every week. The offense is just night and day difference from last year, um, which has really allowed the play calling to open up and, um, wide receivers are coming along. Uh, the offensive line is coming along the defense, even with all the attrition, with the injuries that we're still facing, especially in the secondary, um, was still able to hold NC state to, to essentially 13 points. I got another touchdown there in garbage time, but um, there's leadership on this team this year that I think was sorely lacking last year. Um, and you're seeing that in the play and the way the guys are overcoming adversity. And, you know, when NC state, for instance, goes up and takes that, uh, you know, 10 to six lead and they're able to go back down the field in the two minute drill and score right there before the half, that was huge. You know, and that, that really set the tone for the second half and you come out in the second half and was it Barrett Carter, um, with the sack on Leary and then to turn right back around and go down and, and score. Um, absolutely just amazing effort by these kids and really excited about what we have in store for the rest of this season. Yeah, and yeah, the, Ben, the I mean, from the game flow, okay, real quick, okay. Cody, like from the game flow perspective, I thought the first 27 minutes felt pretty close. You know, a lot of that was due to stalled goal line stuff, you know, going, or stalled red zone offense kind of from both teams. Um, but really it was that like last three minute drive of the first half from there on, it felt like Clemson wasn't really on cruise control as much, but it just did not feel like NC state had any kind of chance in this game. And they did not make the right type of offensive adjustments to try and test Clemson's young secondary or, um, you know, really, really try to find wrinkles, um, to try, you know, to try to get their offense going. You got to credit Clemson's players and coaches for, you know, exerting their will and um, kind of padding the lead definitely didn't get out to an insurmountable lead by any stretch, but um, yeah, I thought it was kind of a tale of two halves in this game. And um, those like first half jitters a little bit were there, you know, when Clemson stalled and BT Potter missed a field goal, I felt like getting that touchdown on that next series, like getting any kind of points would have been nice was kind of necessary, but to get that touchdown the way they did um, was just, was just awesome. Sorry, Cody, I cut you off. No, it's it, totally fine. I was just going to say the team's still not whole either. Ben was saying, you know, I guess mentioning how things are getting better. Coaching was firing all, on all cylinders and the team's still not whole. Uh, Brian Mercy, uh, the targeting from Makuba still have, uh, still have XT out. I think, uh, and the, the pass rush looked a lot better today, but I think it's going to improve even more. Um, I think you you get us a, a little bit of a fall off when you get past the first line starters at, at DE. So um, the team, yeah, getting better, but has a ways to go. The ceiling is higher. Well, guys, yeah, David, David know, Hood, look. was it after this game that David Hood asked um, KJ Henry, KJ Henry. Or, mm-hmm. um, if he thought I this think was so. a championship right, uh, team right now, and KJ agreed that it wasn't, and yeah, I totally agree. I don't think this team goes out and beats an Alabama or a Georgia right now, despite what we saw out of Georgia uh, against Missouri this past weekend. But, 
you know, Clemson teams in the past five games into the season um, in the championship runs have not been at peak performance level. And you've got, you know, seven, eight more games here in the regular season, the ACC championship to keep building that momentum and bringing along these younger players and getting some guys healthy. Now, what is a little bit concerning is we're continuing to see these injury issues that are carrying over from last year. Um, we can't continue to sustain that. So these guys are going to need to come back, man. If they do, especially on the defensive side of the ball with the way that defensive line is playing, you shore up that secondary, it's going to be hard to score points on us. And now the you offense did see Ben. Yeah. The year that came to mind when you were just talking about like through X number of games, none of the natty teams like natty appearance teams, let alone the champions really looked to be that dominant um, at this point. I think when Trevor took over from Kelly Bryant in 2018, once you really hit that like five, six game mark early to mid October, that offense really took off. That whole team really took off and gelled. And that's where you really started to see Clemson winning by like an average of 27 points a game. That's entirely possible for this team. You look ahead to this schedule. Um, So that's going to be one to look for. And I do want to get us into some comparisons coming up here. Um, But yeah, just in terms of the schedule that remains, um, BC, they're down. They're they're much worse than I think people thought they were going to be with Dracovic coming back. People enthusiastic about Jeff Hafley. Um, BC's had a really rough stretch to start the season. Looks like they're bouncing back a little bit um, based on having beaten Louisville this last weekend at home. Um, but Florida State took one, you know, on the chin from Wake Forest. Couldn't really keep up with them. I think they're really in that second or possibly third tier of the AC Atlantic. Syracuse. Uh, Ben, what's that famous line you always use? They ain't played nobody. Like, that's pretty true for Cuse. They will play NC State, um, I think, this weekend, or maybe they have a bye this weekend, and it's the following weekend. Coming up before us, they play NC State. Uh, then we have Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame, everyone circled that coming into the season as a tricky game. Um, so it could be. Who knows? They're they're working in a new quarterback in their system and kind of feeling their footing out. But they had a weird bye week this last week, which I feel like anytime you're in September and you get your bye, like I feel like we had that one year. It's a little too early to do that, but well, there's um, the years where you get two buys just because of the way the calendar sets up, but this isn't one of those seasons. So yeah, that's that. Yeah. A bit odd. Yeah. And from there, like I don't really see, I mean, Miami looks like, you know, not going to be that difficult. Louisville might not have their coach by that point of the season. Um, so anyway, I think the, the schedule definitely looks, I mean, you, you use the word trap, Ben, I believe. Yeah, it could, could definitely happen. And I'm not really seeing anything on the other side within the Coastal that can challenge Clemson here. So it could be just another one of those. It could be the year that you thought we would have a year ago, Ben, which was just like from this point on, you know, snoozers of games. We're still getting the primetime game, though. That's what's interesting. So last weekend, obviously, how that was State this weekend with BC and then next week, Florida state, they've already announced that. So to have that national showcase three weeks in a row, I don't know if that, I I doubt that. I mean, does that mean we're going to have Herb street and Fowler three weeks in a row, or are they going to cycle us to a different set of announcers? Uh, Even though it's prime time on ABC, they could definitely get like Joe's question where I know they're going to start the day in Lawrence, Kansas rock chalk. Um, And I think you actually announced the, yeah, let's see. They have announced Sean McDonough and Todd Blackledge. There you go. Yeah. So it's in the primetime slot. doesn't mean you get Herbie and Fowler necessarily, but that's fine. Um, but to be honest, I kind of like the other crews a little bit better. It's nice to get that treatment once in a while, but 
you know, Fowler was mispronouncing half of Clemson's roster, their last names. I mean, so do we. So, <laughs> like, when Herb Street had to say a row, row, he gets paid. He, he gets paid for this shit. We do not. So yeah, and they get like the phonetic spellings on their on their totally. They have there. producers. Yeah. Um, well, all right, guys. Well, why don't we dig a little bit closer into this one? Uh, offense, thirty points. Um, left some points on the field, but overall, I thought um, coming in against the number ten NC State Wolfpack, I believe they were the tenth ranked defense in the country coming into this into this game too by SP Plus um, advanced ratings. Dave Doran's a defensive coach. Um, they brought a lot of guys back who were injured a year ago or who did not go into the draft. They, this really was the year that they set up to stop a team like Clemson. Um, I thought from a defensive game plan standpoint, like they brought physicality and pressure throughout the night. Um, I don't want to say they made DJ's life difficult, but they definitely, I think, stood up to their billing coming in as a formidable defense. Uh, but Clemson still, you know, give, give Clemson credit, give DJ credit withheld against that pressure. The offensive line stood up. Clemson was able to move the ball pretty much throughout the game. Um, the only kind of issues I think Clemson really had was when play calling sort of stalled drives or, um, you know, here and there NC state did get home, but I think a lot of times that was, um, they had no sacks on the night, right guys. And that was when it would be like a design run for DJ. That was a tackle for loss. Um, so that's not technically a sack. Um, no turnovers on the Clemson side either, which is great to see. So I, I don't know. I thought like we can definitely get into the game within the game and individual performances here. But I want to say like I thought this was like throughout the game, the progression of the game. I think the coaching staff did a great job, you know, picking its poison and really, you know, picking the areas of NC State's defense they're giving us and, you know, for enforcing their will and kind of moving things forward. Um the one that was obvious from the start, and I, I almost feel like we were trying to overplay the hand of DJ in the running game. Um, that was effective, and Shipley definitely was effective running between the tackles, um, you know, against this NC State front. Yeah, well, I mean, it's amazing what uh, a quarterback who can make his reads and his progressions and use his legs does for this offense and really opening up the playbook um allowing guys to you know get open downfield going across the middle um and then again dj just using his legs it's just such a breath of fresh air and and a great thing to see um you know after coming off of last season and it really just makes this offense so much more dynamic and i could not imagine coming into this season that at this point five games in i'd be so confident in dj's abilities but when he's back there throwing the ball, he looks calm, cool, and collected. Again, he's making his read. He's making absolutely great passes. I mean, that throw to Shipley was just absolutely freaking phenomenal. I, I never thought we'd ever see a throw like that coming from DJ and then from Shipley to catch that ball. Um, yeah, it was just an absolutely you know beautiful thing to see. And I will say, uh, you going back and watching the game, that it was actually a lot closer for longer than I remembered kind of in real time. And I think that going back to your point there, Tully, is that – it really did feel after we scored right there before the half that going into the second half that the Clemson had firm control of this game. Um, even though we weren't you know, necessarily going down and scoring the ball uh, at will in the second half there, but we kind of did everything we needed to do. And the defense really settled in, settled in with the defensive line getting uh, pressure, but overall from an offensive standpoint, yeah, really happy with the play calling. And again, I think a lot of that, you know, credit is certainly to, to Brandon Streeter, 
Um, but also a lot of that goes on DJ because of, you know, his improvement. It's really allowing him to, to get creative and open up the playbook. I give plenty of credit to Brandon Streeter um, and, and DJ, but let me, let me touch on Streeter and how he's using burning stool this year. I, I feel like I don't remember a year in the past where they've used a, a line or a, excuse me, a tight end all across uh, in each of the three receiver positions from the slot to the field to the, I don't think he goes to the boundary, but they use him all over so they can also use him as a blocker. Not a great blocker as a tight end, but when you put uh, Brennan still in the context of a wide receiver, he is a great blocker. So that gives him better edge blocking, which helps the run game. I really like that they've done this with the offense. And I, I wonder, again, no disrespect to Tony Elliott. He was a great offensive coordinator, but things started to get really just Clemson football, uh, you know, the five, nine, and the two, and everybody fits their role. And we just move, we move, moving pieces interchangeably and and uh i i'm with this versatility and saying hey we don't have a lot of great options at wide receiver right now some are injured some are young putting uh brennan still in there shows like a a willingness to adapt and and um making making use of the best parts that you have available i just i, I don't feel like i saw that enough in the last four to five years of clemson well, and on the offensive side it's kind of like going back to Chad Morris and his use of Cole Stout, right? And him trying to force on to Cole Stout his game plan instead of playing and play calling to Cole Stout's abilities. It was the same thing kind of with Tony Elliott coming into last season. Um, it, it, like you said, you know, just the the two, five, and the nine, and we're just going to send guys out there and do the same thing that we've always done. But we didn't have the players at those positions that we've had in years past to be able to make those plays at the quarterback position um, or at the wide receiver position. So the the ability of Streeter to get creative with that and use the tools that he has um, in the most efficient way um, is really giving this offense a lot of confidence. And you see it in the guys. And again, it's also the heart of guys like Will Shipley and the the, the vastly improved offensive line play. They had a little bit of difficult time in this game um, uh, getting off the ball um, on, on run plays, at least early on, but then started to wear them down later. And again, just... Will Shipley's kind of bruising running style and combine that with Phil Moffa really started to, to pick up some, uh, some yards on the ground. And it was a really kind of balanced attack. I felt all day. Yeah. I want to tell you guys about my favorite play and that'll get me into talking about DJ a little more uh, that naked bootleg design mm -hmm. very end of the, the last offensive series Clemson had going down, you know, get the turnover um, getting a short field, I think getting any points there obviously would have helped uh, seal this game. Um, but the way they did it, it just, you could tell there, and we now heard, you know, Dabo drew that up on the sideline. They hadn't practiced that play. Jake Brinning school said that to reporters. <clears throat> you could tell there was a little bit of Dabo petty in, the, in that play call and that he wanted to stick it to Doran after what happened last year. And it, frankly, all the way back to 2016 or even before that, um, but for DJ and Mafa and the O-line to execute that, having never run that play before together as a unit and, you know, to pull that off, I mean, you know, it's not like the most ridiculously difficult play to execute, but, um, it was perfect. They bought it hook, line and sinker. DJ just strolled into the end zone. Like it was just a great thing to see capping off an amazing day for DJ. So that was my favorite play. Um, there are plenty of others to pick from. I think Ben, you're pretty fond of that Shipley sort of wheel route, um, to end the first half, but um, I wanted to ask you guys just about DJ. We've already touched a little bit on how he looks night and day. He's going through his progressions with where this season's already come, you know, statistically, I know Cody, you've looked at the numbers a little bit. 
Like, where do you think this DJ season can end in the pantheon of Clemson quarterbacks? Think of it from a season perspective. Going back, I don't know, last three, four, five starters that we've had. Well, since I have done some research, I, I suppose I'll go first. Um, where does he where does he stack up in kind of the pantheon from a, like we're talking like 2016 Deshaun versus you know 2020 Trevor or 2019 Trevor? Is that what you're what you're saying, Tully? Yes. Okay. Well, it's still early. The numbers, you know, some of the numbers I looked at, I won't, I won't like, I won't reel them out here on the podcast because nobody wants to listen or that that we don't have graphics for the for the video. But he does stack up statistically. the The percentage completion percentage is there. The QB rating is there. Like it's on track, or it's on track with the 2016 numbers of Deshaun Watson. If you recall, he did get off to a bit of a slow start. Probably cost him the Heisman. Um, and then 2019, Trevor also got off to a slow start. A uh, lot of interceptions for both. I think only one interception for DJ so far. So statistically, again, the numbers, you, you know, you're, you have to account for opponents and there's a whole lot of other factors. So I don't want to say, you know, by the numbers, he's better. The eye test, like, why do we even need numbers sometimes? We, we can see with our eyes that this guy is, is definitely, he's looking a lot more like Trevor and Deshaun than he is Kelly Bryant. No disrespect to Kelly Bryant, but I'd say he's more, uh, he's reached that level. Um, I know that doesn't really get at what you're saying, Tully, but I, I think that's his trajectory. Oh. If he continues this trajectory by the end of the year, um, I think the thing that really set Deshaun and, and uh, Trevor apart was performance in the playoffs. So that would just be the next level. But from a season number standpoint against not, you know, not, not an SEC schedule, let's say it, he's, he stacks up. Yeah, and I, I mean, to that point, I do want to see him go in against a good Notre Dame defense in South Bend and see how he performs there and see how he may perform in a playoff game against the likes of an Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, and, and those types of defense. Um, you know, Wake and, and North Carolina State are really good football teams, um, but they're not those football teams. And so, again, I think this is kind of baby steps for DJ, you know, continuing to build the confidence as the season has gone along. He's not making a lot of mistakes. Uh, a couple bad throws in this game, one overshot to Bo Collins there, and then the near interception in the second half. But other than, other than that, he's, you know, putting, you know, dropping balls on a dime and putting them on a rope right to where they need to be. And he's, he's making his reads and his checkdowns. And um, just that mental improvement in the game itself is something that I'm not sure any of us really had a lot of confidence that we were going to see out of this kid. And lo and behold, it's happening right before our eyes. And um, again, it's just a complete 180 from last year. And, you know, a lot of that, I think, credit to the coaching staff, a lot of that credit to DJ himself. Um, and really the other guys around him growing up and becoming better as a unit. No interception, Ben, but yeah, everything I agree with other than that. Um, no, the near interception. I was, oh, the near interception. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe to answer my own question, Cody, like, yes, obviously remains to be seen, but I think the table is set and there, there have been enough of these matchups against, or there will have been enough of matchups against quality defenses for us to say, yes, DJ was tested against at the time in the era, pretty good defenses. I think once you do get through like a Notre Dame to your point, Ben, or I know Miami looks brutal right now. That's mostly an offensive issue. You know, they're a well-coached defensive unit They're Miami sucks. Let's be real. But by the time we face them, they may have figured some stuff out on defense. So um, yeah, I think DJ will ultimately be able to tell like, 
he was tested. Did he stand up to some of the, the, the best Taj Boyd years, some of the best Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence years? I think the mere fact that we're asking this question tells you all you need to know about his performance this year versus last year. Guess whose name we haven't heard in a couple of weeks, guys? Kate Klubnik. Yeah. And look, like, yeah, we that's fine. Like, we don't need to be talking about him. DJ is the quarterback this year. It's great. Um, there may be a time this season where Kate is called upon and, you know, we hope he is progressing well in practice and all that um, would have been nice to see him get into this game. Clemson have had the lead a little bit more, but I think he's going to get some reps here coming up against some of these opponents. I mean, maybe Boston college um, certainly doable at Florida state. Like, are we going to be, be able to pull away far enough from them? Then we got Syracuse at home. I mean, I know you mentioned Syracuse has not really played, um anybody worth noting no, but they're but, five and oh they're five and oh too yeah, yeah and we know our history with Syracuse here in, in in recent years so um and then Notre Dame Louisville Miami South Carolina I mean he'll, he'll definitely get in the South Carolina game maybe for a whole half well it's important to note that at the beginning of the season DJ was not on any NFL watch list but I guarantee you he's he's taken the NFL's attention the scouts I'm not saying he's going to the draft this year but I'm saying it's definitely a possibility now we didn't. We did not consider that at all at the beginning of the season. So that that in and of itself, after five games, tells you a little bit about how DJ season is gone. I wouldn't at this point. I would say it's. I don't know what you guys think. Some guys come in and they have the three year, especially five star guys like DJ. They have three years in mind. Doesn't matter if your second year was a complete bust in a whirlwind. If year three you bounce back, your money year, you're you might you might uh, run for greener pastures. So uh, we might see a lot of Cade as early as next year. Yeah, well, and it depends on how the draft class is looking this year, too, for quarterbacks. That's true. Yeah, people are high on Will Levis. I'm sorry, guys. Like, if you're picking between those two, at this point, I take DJ from a skill set standpoint and performance on the field and pedigree and all that. Cool. Well, um, any parting thoughts on the offense? I think we kind of covered off. I mean, one one position group we haven't really touched on too much is the receiving core. Um a lot of action from a targets perspective, a yards perspective from the uh, tight end group. So Jake Brining school led the team in yards. Uh, Antonio Williams, though, I thought continued to just show that he's the MVP of that wide receiver room this season. He's a starter with no asterisks, no co-start, no co-starting. You know, he, he's in charge of that depth chart um, and the slot. And uh, it's just hard to believe he's a freshman guys with, um, just how fluid he is out there, everything else. So, um, I mean, uh, you know, I guess there may be some, um, some near catches some drops potentially in this game, but nothing that was really that backbreaking type of drop. And I have really no notes here of criticism for wide receivers. There was one to Bo Maybe Collins. It could have been a touchdown. I know they say DJ should have put a little bit more air under it, but that hit him square in the hands. Um, yeah. Well, that's so one where you, he, I think he was going for the touchdown to your point. Like he was, he wanted to stay running. I think he lays out for that. That's a sure catch. Right. So. It hit him. It hit him right in the hands. Like it, it hit him in the, in both hands. He should have <laughs> caught that ball. <laughs> like, sorry. Sorry. That, what part, that, you gotta, what part you gotta, of his gotta, body did it hit? What's that? What part of the body did it hit him in? In, in both hands. The things he's supposed to catch the damn ball with. Um, no, it's been interesting to see the evolution of kind of this wide receiver core this year. You know, guys kind of moving all over the place. You've got um, EJ Williams figured to, to 
um, to be a pro- have a prominent role in this offense, and he's kind of fading towards the back as guys like Antonio Williams and uh, Adam Randall have, have come in. Obviously, Dakari Collins is is leaving. Um, but yeah, I think we do have the makings here. Again, DJ continuing to put the ball in the right s- spaces. I think the one real weak link uh, for this receiving core right now is winning the 50-50 balls, and we're just not doing that right now. Joe and God is having a hard time going up and getting balls. He kind of has stone hands when it comes to that, or maybe not just not the greatest focus watching it come in. Um, but five games into the season, let's just um, continue to see that improvement there. And, you know, maybe we tried to fire Tyler Grisham too early um, as fans were want to do that, but um, yeah, just uh, continue to see improvement. And that's been exciting. And then, again, a part of that too is the tight end usage. Yeah, if you told me that Brandon Stoll and Antonio Williams would be our top wide receivers this season, I'd be like, oh, that's a little bit alarming. Because coming into the year, I, I really thought it's going to be the Collins twins. And I know they're not twins. But, uh, I, you know, Bo's had a fine season. Are you sure about that? Well, uh, usually twins don't separate this quickly. Were you there, Cody? I can't confirm or deny. But uh, one's in Georgia, one's in California. So Bo Collins is having a, an okay year. He's having a good year by his standards. I think he's, he would probably agree. He could be playing better. He's had, it's not even that he's, he's had a, a drop or two because every receiver has that. It's just, you, you see talent, you know, he's got a little bit more there to your point, Ben. I don't know if in Gata, I don't know if I'm going to see him become Terrell Owens this year. I just don't know if that's in his makeup. So, um, you know, why Dakari left, we didn't really touch on this last week. We don't have to talk about it too much, but the opportunity was there. So like when Dabo was asked why he left, Dabo just started laughing. Like he didn't have anything else to do. He's like, I don't know why he left. He could have, you know, he could have played. There was room to play. Uh, Cause EJ hasn't stepped up probably because of injury. And then Adam Randall looks like he might be the one wild card where you, he he might, you know, transform the unit by the, by the end of the year, because right now I don't see anyone else that could. Drew Sweeney. Oh, I'm sorry. I completely forgot about Drew Sweeney. Got Kathleen Smith. I mean, I want to, I want to ask you guys, like, let's say Clemson makes the playoff. Let's say we face off against Ohio State. They jump out to a 24-6 to lead. I mean, does this does this team have a receiving core that you see living up to that challenge where we can, we can push the ball downfield with not a lot of clock left? Uh, what needs to develop on this team for I us think to be able to feel like we can overcome that? Well, I think you saw that ability in the two-minute drill there at the end of the first half. You know, I was saying, you know, um, let DJ loose, let him start throwing the ball. And lo and behold, it worked. Um, I think we have to have confidence in him. He's going to put the ball in the right places. Again, you do have all these different types of weapons. You got Shipley out of the backfield. You got the two tight ends that are solid um, and plenty of other guys at the wide receiving uh, group that can get open and can catch the ball. So again, I think just consistent progress over the next few weeks is what we need to see. And uh, the cream will rise to the top. Well, Tully, I, I think the, the situation or the answer to your question there, how do we get back and compete in these big games, particularly if we fall behind a, a big time opponent? I don't think it lies in the wide receiver room. I think the key, what has the more like the higher likelihood of uh, helping this offense become elite is the improvement of the offensive line. You saw it a little bit with in pass pro. I thought they did a tremendous job uh, keeping DJ healthy against, a, a, like you said, Tully, a good defense. Their progression and some good injury luck. We saw Walker Parks got injured, but their progression will kind of dictate the, I think, the ceiling of, of the offense because ultimately, pass pros there. I was really impressed. Keep DJ clean, he'll make passes, but there's got to be a little bit more in the run game. I think there's still more there with putting him first year at center and Walker moving inside, Walker Parks moving inside. I think there's, you're going to see more development and improvement there. 
Yeah. When you got to remember Blake Miller out there, at right tackle too. Um, true freshman. Uh, he got right. chewed out by Davo one time in this game, but came back and had some really great blocks. Um, that kid's going to be a monster. And I think, again, as this offensive line unit continues to gel as the season goes along, I don't see any gaping holes or gaping weaknesses that we had last year. Well, Blake Miller definitely wants peace of Ohio State. He's from Strongsville, Ohio, like chose Clemson over them. Like that'd be a, that'd be a great outcome for us. Um, yeah, guys, I think from a, I agree with your takes on pass pro being critical. Uh, this team's showing some improvement. I think getting that protection from the running back room is, is going to be what enables Clemson to stay in those games and have a shot in a playoff matchup. But I do think you need some emergence in that wide receiver room and for Bo to, you know, make those catches or, um, I mean, Antonio Williams, there was one at the, um, I don't know. There, you know, there's opportunity for improvement across the board um, in route running and pass catching from these guys. So what's nice is now, just from the season perspective of winning the division, which remains the goal, they will have a couple defensive tests coming up. But this is really a time where you know they can treat these games not like you know a game script to win the game, more like, hey, let's take that two, three series in a row. Um, like we saw against, I think it was Louisiana Tech, and let's just throw the ball. Let's like throw the game script out of, out, of, out the window. Let's focus on throwing the ball. You know, I think you're going to see some of that start to play out, even as soon as this weekend with BC, probably against Florida State, it's going to return to we got to take care of business. Um, we'll see about Syracuse, but I think there's enough games left for developmental opportunity on this offense still. Yeah, but I we think like just, what we see, and yeah, go ahead. I think ben. just with all the weapons that we've been talking about, you know the more wide receivers you have stepping up and being effective, the more likelihood one of them is going to come open because they're not being paid attention to. The more you can open up the run game, the more that frees up the passing game and then DJ using his legs as well. So I think it's going to be a combination of all these things. It's really going to propel this offense right kind of to the next level. Yeah. We'll move on to the defense here, but just from like the 2018 team perspective, um, I think it was really ETN that in 2018 during the regular season was like powering this offense. Like TL was getting his, he had 300 yards a game consistently. And we all knew what we had in T Higgins, but really when the playoffs came around, it was when that's when Justin Ross really stood up and emerged. Like we know in 2016, the role that Jordan Leggett and Mike Williams played in that team. And even, you know, Deion Kane with some critical plays. Um, it's like, who's going to be that guy on this team that steps up. We got plenty of guys that could play that role. So there's plenty of talent in that room still. It's just going to be a matter of, you know, can they can they walk through that door? I don't see a Higgins or Ross yet. I see a guy in the slot. Yeah, a guy in the slot. Adam Randall. He could be the man. Bo's pretty solid. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. We talk in 2018, Justin Ross. We talk in 2020, Justin Ross, because I, I think we have a couple of those. But 2018, okay. <laughs> that's what I was talking about. I know, I'm just, I'm just joking. We won the Natty that year, Cody. Let's move it on to the defense. All right, Clemson defense in this game, guys. Uh, tremendous performance. I think this is really the performance that a lot of the national media has been talking about the most which is curious because I don't think North Carolina state's offense was really anything to speak of coming into this game. Um, they've really been missing their left tackle from last year and their star wideout, who both left for the NFL um, for the NFL draft at least. And 
but still, you know, you had a veteran quarterback and Devin Leary coming back. Um, everyone's really high on the OC at North Carolina state also. And I think we had questions, you know, just coming from last week with Wake Forest in this one, how well could Clemson hold up all week? We talked about getting guys back when you actually put names on the depth chart against who started and suited up for the Tigers. It actually seemed like we didn't really get anybody back. We had Makuba back starting in the corner position and he went out in the second quarter with a targeting penalty. Um, I don't really know how effective he was before that. You know, he, um, he was getting beat. Both he, he was getting beat and he, both he and Mickens were kind of like pointing at one another over who should have gotten Carter, their guy, you know, in a deep ball early on. Um, he clearly not his position of strength, even though he's played it in the past. So it was tough. And we had, you know, Mickens also went down in this game, like to lose another two starters to targeting and to injury on top of missing the guys that we were. Um, once again, Sheridan Jones didn't suit up in this one. XT was not able to go. Malcolm Green so, was Yeah, Malcolm Green was not able to go. That's an undisclosed reason. Um, all that stacking up against, you know, Devin Leary, who you think about a veteran quarterback like that, like time and again, we've kind of faced those dudes who are just wily veterans. They come in and find a way to pick us apart or, you know, find the, the edge that Clemson or, you know, the, the loose end that Clemson would have and, and take it from us never really happened in this game. And I do want to get into why we think that is um, overall, because I think part of that is on Clemson's talent. I think part of that is on the game that Wes Goodwin called, but I don't want to attribute all that to Clemson. I think you need to put a little bit of that on, on Dave Doran and on Tim back their offensive coordinator, um, just not being aggressive, not really going after Clemson's potential weakness and exposing that. You know, they tried a little bit in spots and those plays didn't work out and then they moved away from it. And then they tried screen passes. They tried to run the ball again. You know, they tried intermediate stuff. And to me, that was, none of that stuff was ever going to help them sustain drives or score points against Clemson. Like, you know, they, I'm sure when they sat down and game plan for this, they're like, we got to find a way to get to 30 points to win this game. And I don't know that their playbook and play calling would ever have translated into that type of scoring. So well, it's, anyway. it's pretty hard when you're getting such a great pass rush with just three guys and you can drop other, you know, guys, the other eight guys back into coverage. Um, so that, that certainly helped in this game. Um, so well, you can do that then because you, it, because they couldn't rush the ball. Like, you know, yes, hundred percent. You're right about that. But I think well, the, this is credit to our defensive line and those monsters there. And that's without Brian Brisset. Um, I mean, you, I mean, we, we, KJ Henry, what an improvement we've seen from that kid over his um, few years here in the program. Uh, just so happy for him. He's always had a, a positive ad- attitude, even though we've kind of been down on him, wondering if he's been a bust. But um, he's going to make some money this year, that's for sure. Um, and then, you know, a couple other guys really standing out to me. Obviously, you know, the Tyler Davis and, um, you know, Miles Murphy had a really good game today. But guys like Rook, um, Peyton Page being able to, to cycle those guys in and out on the defensive line and stepping in for per se when he's out and really don't miss a beat with those guys. Um, so really just across the board, it's been absolutely amazing. Again, without XT as well. Um, I'm not sure who our defensive ends are going to be next year. Um, I think up the middle, we're going to be just fine. But just appreciate this defensive line that we're seeing this year and just hopefully we can get, you know, XT, Miles Murphy, um, 
Tyler Davis and KJ all out there on the field, at least four of those five at the same time um, this year, because this defense is going to be a monster. You combine that with the linebacker linebacking core that we have here, um, not only with their pass rushing ability, but also their ability to drop in coverage. Um, the front seven is just an absolute beast. And that really takes the, the pressure off of uh, the secondary, the cornerbacks and the safeties, which, you know, when we saw Coville, um, Wiggins and pride back in there in this game that you weren't feeling extremely good about um, the prospects for this game, especially after NC state was able to, to move the ball early on. But um, sure enough, those guys kind of firmed up. They, they, you know, learn from their experience at Wake Forest, not the same type of offense. It's not going to um, test us as much downfield, but still those guys stepped up when they had to. And overall, I thought the defense really settled into this game. Well, Ben, you, you cover like every part of the defense there. I'm trying to think what's like, uh, what's the big point where the bright, bright spots there are uh, the most important points. And I would, uh, you started with KJ Henry. I'll, I'll start there. You're right. He, uh, he was considered, a, a, you know, around year two, year three, like maybe a bust and maybe a career backup. And by the time he was a backup, getting steady reps were like, hey, this is probably his ceiling. Um, and, but hey, it's at least he didn't, at least he's not a bust. And uh, all, all of a sudden in the last couple of years, really the last like this season and maybe a little bit last season, the back half of last season, maybe. Yeah. Turning into like living up to five star billing. And like you said, probably becoming an NFL player and getting paid. Um, I, yeah, I, I love seeing that. That's one of my favorite parts of watching college sports is seeing the development of someone, someone that sticks to it and gets better. And, you know, like he probably just didn't have quite the physical uh, makeup when he first came in, but a lot like Kevin Dodd, you know, not for the same reasons they had different, they were coming from different, um, they were coming from two different places, but you know, the, the advancement and development in the latter parts of his career, ultimately getting a, you know, a, I think it was a second round draft pick Kevin Dodd was. So uh, yeah, kudos to, to KJ Henry. Um, yeah, the, the, the injuries, I mean, I, I don't, let me, let me actually take a step back. Uh, last week, we, we gave the coaching, I gave in particular the coaching some grief. And I don't want to uh, point, point out Mike Reed at all. As, like, sometimes you just have years where you're, you're, maybe the coaching's not there. Mike Reed has been tried and true every year. He's developed great players. He's recruited great players. So I don't want to give him any flack. Just saying this year, uh, it seems some of the guys maybe aren't taken to coaching or which is more uh, in this case, it's more excusable. Some of the freshmen haven't, you know, aren't quite ready. And maybe that's not on Mike Reed. Maybe that's just a freshman being a freshman. Um, but I did see Nate Wiggins step up. Um, I saw pride come in and I saw develop. You're seeing like in season development from pride. So uh, yeah, credit to both of those guys. And again, Mike Reed's still a great coach. Just saying, uh, you know, there are a couple, couple of question marks there. Notice we didn't really see Fred Davis in this game. That's, right. I mean, I that's all there. And you have Makuba coming off of an injury playing a different position that he normally plays. Like that's how, that's how much you must think of some of the other guys in the rotation for that, yeah. for that to be true. Pretty sure Dabo was asked a question about Fred Davis. And I think his answer was, yep, you didn't see him. Like he didn't play. That's it. So yeah. he's had his chances. He may have some more. We'll have and, to see. And we talked about it during the game through our text thread and Nate Wiggins, who had a, who had a fine game. He, it was probably his best game of the year. Great time to have his best game of the year celebrating. And then Kirk Herbstreit calling him out, yeah. calling him out on the national broadcast, which, you know, his whole family's watching and every, and you know, he's seeing watching that, but you know what? I was and, thinking the exact but, same thing before Herbstreit called him out. 
uh, you know, it's like he, Herb Street, I believe, said that's a five yard out. Come on. Well, then he missed. He missed when he went for the pick on the following play. Right. And Mickens like got third, hurt third and five. Yeah. And that's when Mickens got hurt making the tackle. But you know what? I, I like I like that type of, you know, especially after the game last week, I like that type of attitude, be able to, to bounce back. You can see just the sheer athleticism and, and talent in him and pride. So they've got bright futures. And the fact that they're getting in and kind of getting thrown into the fire here early in this season is just going to, you know, pay off down the road. Us winning games like this with that many true freshmen on both sides of the ball is, is amazing. And it's so great for them to have that experience in that big atmosphere. So, yeah, I mean, would we like to have these freshmen like ready to plug in from day one? Like, I don't know, some of the guys from yesteryear, like, um, Trayvon Mullen, didn't he come in and play as a freshman? Like, you know, he, he was really polished from the start. These guys maybe aren't that, but, you know, take some time to develop. For Pete's sake, this is game five. Like, let's give it some time. Um, Let me ask you guys this. Is this the best linebacking core you've seen in this era for Clemson? Yes. It, not just in terms of athleticism, because it's that in spades. Um, but I think I think it is. They just cover so much space. It's the only other Dorian O'Daniel erasure. I'm just saying, but go ahead. Now the only other unit that's comparable, it's because it's the one that had Isaiah Simmons in it. And that's only because Isaiah Simmons was in it. Yeah. And that was Tony Stewart and uh, Tony Stewart and um, uh, Stefan Anthony, that, that unit was really good as well. These guys are just different animals though. I mean, yeah, it's just absolutely amazing watching them fly around the field, make the hits that they're making. They're, you know, always in the backfield harassing the quarterback or out in coverage, making good plays. Um, it's really been a pleasure to watch them this year. This year. They're only going to get better. Yeah, I mean, both those dudes would start at Georgia and at Alabama. Like, maybe not to displace Tim Anderson, but just about everybody else. So, glad they're at Clemson. Trotter. I mean, I, I, we have, there's three of them, really. Like, yeah, right. You know, uh, with Simpson and Trotter and, and, and Carter. Carter's is special. I mean, Simpson's special too. Uh, yeah, all, all three of them, frankly, could be first-round picks. I hope Simpson comes back next year to play defensive end, though, because we're going to need him there. <laughs> That's a joke. Yeah, I mean, there's still more we need to see, guys. Like, NC State came in. Their offense was ranked in, like, the 40s, something like that. Like, we mentioned they, they're down – you know, they're lacking playmakers this year. They're lacking a run game. You know, I – I frankly think not enough credit has been given to how well Clemson stymied the run game, made them one dimensional. I think I was looking at the plays later or earlier. It's there ran something like 21 running plays to 48 passing attempts in this one. Um, that's the kind of lopsidedness that I can get behind, you know, from a defensive showing that Clemson did. So um, again, like you felt it throughout the game. They really couldn't take the top up off this defense, which was crazy because I don't think they tried to do that enough. You know, they did it, demonstrated it early with that deep ball to Carter, the kind of fit right between Makuba and Mickens. Um, they took maybe a couple shots after that, but that was about it. And they just did telling you, like Leary just did not have enough time. Like the defensive line or the linebackers were in his face almost instantly. Even that big pass um, that Leary made uh, on their first drive of the game on like third and 16 or whatever it was like, he had to get that ball out so quickly um, and credit to him for doing so. And he, he put that ball. Yeah. KJ blew uh, that guy up and somehow he got rid of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, home field advantage, man. I mean, that they get the guys clearly were had more energy. Like Miles Murphy had a motor like I've never seen, and, and, and KJ on the other side, uh, Tyler Davis in the middle. Like you're right, like they were they were getting after him. Um, they didn't have that on the road against Wake Forest, unfortunately. That's slow. Well, match. they better bring it to South Bend. Well, we'll just sleep. That's right. Hope they bring it to South Bend. Um, guys, I, I guess I mean we kind of touched on Wes Goodwin. Um, I thought he made very good adjustment coming off the weight game. NC State's coaching definitely helped us out some. And you know, you're right, Ben. Like, how much do they really have available to them to go get? You know, from what this d- defensive line was giving them. Uh, but either way, I want to I want to say I thought Wes Goodwin played a really good game, or you know, called a really good game. Um, had a really good game plan. He did not play a really good game. Uh, to my knowledge, he didn't suit up in this one. Uh, but no, I mean, on a day when you saw Brent Venable's team allow how many points? 55 points, like 700 yards of offense to see Wes Goodwin, you know, have kind of a vintage BV defense type performance. Uh, was pretty great. Maybe it was a vintage Wes Goodwin type defensive performance. I mean, it's apples and oranges there. Wes Goodwin had BV personnel. BV did not, to be fair. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it really kind of goes into the theme of the season. Like, we're, we're watching all the coaches grow up as well. It's a young coaching staff, a lot of inexperienced guys. Um, so, just like the team, they're going to need a few games to get their footing, and then we can just really watch and monitor for improvement there. And I think we're starting to see that on both sides of the ball. And I will say just kind of – taking a step back and looking overall the last two games, I think what hasn't been talked about enough is that Clemson's left some points out there, or at least the potential for some points by shooting themselves in some foot with some really killer penalties, nine penalties in this game, um, 10 in the wake forest game, both for like close to a hundred yards. I mean, we can say all we want about the officiating, um, which, you know, I mean, wake my, was all DPI wasn't great. Wake was all DPIs. Like this one was a bit more spread out. Um, we had mostly fucking special team penalties in this one on punts and kick returns. No, there was someone offense too. They really kind of set things back, but even on the, even yeah. on the special teams, um, the one punt return, I think by what will yeah. Taylor, um, right. where there was what a set up that, that, that took us back to our 40 when it could have been on their 40. Um, again, these, you know, 10 turnovers a game is nine, 10 turnovers or hundred yards is pretty high. So, again, as this young team continues to mature, you start to see them cut down on some of these mistakes. That's another thing that could really be holding them back from opening it up. Yeah, or that lose you a game against a formidable playoff caliber foe. So, um, well, we kind of already did our special teams recap just there, but we can, we can move on. Um, BT Potter, super reliable outside of the one miss that I, I put more on Drew Sini, the holder, than yeah. BT necessarily. Um, and then finally we got, you know, some decent yardage out of a kick return with Will Sweeney. I'm sorry, with Will Shipley. And, um, you mentioned the Will Taylor punt return. Both of those were negated by blocking the back or holding penalties. Um, punting still is a little bit of a mixed bag with Aiden Swanson. Um, I thought there were maybe, I mean, he drew that one flag that kept the drive going, um, that I think resulted in a field goal guys, um, early on, maybe that was the second field goal. But um, yeah, like across the board, I would say Aiden Swanson, you know, there may be like likely not come a time during the regular season where he's got to play his best game. Um, that is one where, 
you just want to see him make improvements week over week. I mean, it averaged 40 yards a punt in this game. And, you know, in college football, you'll take that. Um, so I actually just realized this game, he was left-footed. Um, maybe that's what screwed him up on the the running into the kicker. Um, but no, I think he's been solid for the most part this year, um, especially coming in as the first year punter. Um, BT Potter, Mr. Reliable. I mean, yeah, I think that one kick was an anomaly. You feel really good when he goes out there. That ball shifted in Drew Sweeney's hands after he placed it down. So I'm like you, Tully. I tend to put that more on on Drew there. Um, but yeah, overall, I think the special teams, I mean, the, the, the most you can ask, well, the most you can ask for special teams is actually be game changing. We don't necessarily need that from our special teams. So I think the least you can ask them is not to screw things up. <laughs> and, they, and they tend do to do no harm. Yeah, they mm-hmm. tend to, to, to do that or not do that pretty well. Cody, I know you got deep special teams thoughts. Let's hear it. No, nothing. No. BT Potter is uh, when he kicks it, sometimes you're like, oh man, that looks like an NFL kicker. And I think that's because they kick it like it's good from like 60 and it's right down the middle. It's like, oh wow, this guy's going to get paid. He can do it from 60 though. Yeah. So, yeah. They don't always get that opportunity. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that gives you, it's gives you a margin for error, you know, in a, in a down game, he can win you a game. That's a flop, you know, a potential trap game. So uh, we're really lucky he came back. What's nice is Robert on the third is going to be his successor. That dude's already on the roster learning from BT. You know, they, they get to spend the whole day in practice kicking balls together. So um, maybe they could spend some time with the punter. Love RG3. Cool. Um, well, guys, important victory here. 5-0. and Last two weeks, I think, are going to be the toughest test of the season. Notre Dame will definitely be a tough test. Um, and then you got an ACC schedule after that um, plus South Carolina. I mean, I want to ask you guys, like after this stretch of the season, we're kind of at the, I don't know, you know, not quite to the halfway mark. Are you recalibrating at all your expectations for this team, the ceiling, where you think this team can go? Um, I know neither of you guys were on for our season preview show, but, you know, just going back to what you, where your headspace was in August, where are you at now as we're into October? I think at the beginning of the season coming in, I would have said um, I would I'd probably say winning the ACC championship would be a success. Um, Now I'm feeling like going to the college football playoff is kind of I'd be disappointed if we didn't make it um, at this point, looking at, you know, who we have still left to play on our schedule, um, how the ACC is looking as a whole and the way we've seen this team perform and improve as the year has gone along and certainly over last year. so, yeah, I think my expectations have changed, and a large part of that is due to just to how well DJ has played. Um, the defense, I think, is what we expected it to be, minus the injuries, of course. And we all expect the secondary to improve as we start getting some guys back and these younger guys start to grow up. Um, but, yeah, I'd say playoff or bust right now. Do I think we stack up against Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia? Not necessarily. Not at this point, five games into the year. But once we get to the, you know – 14th game maybe well I, I would even put Ohio State in that category quite yet and then Michigan had their issue with Missouri so anyhow um Georgia with Missouri who, who did I say Michigan 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 I'm sorry they're on my they're on my mind I'm like they should be in that same. Slip. 
they should be in that same tier with uh, Georgia. He's got a poster of Harbaugh behind his monitor. That's why Ben. That's why he's got, got the Deshaun monitor. Watson helmet and uh, yeah, Harbaugh khakis hanging. You can't see him right now, but uh, no. How, so of course, that, yeah, I earn them every day. Um, so how do we stack up? How do we recalibrate after so far what we've seen? I huge shift, more so than any other season. Um, I mean, granted, we we usually come in with the expectation of at least making the playoff. Uh, over the last six, seven years, I came in like you've been thinking the ACC championship would be a good goal. And if we made the playoff, that would be great. I wouldn't expect to win a game. Now I'm getting in the position where, yeah, I, I do. I think we should be able to make the playoff. And I think we are good enough uh, to win a semifinal game. Are we a championship team yet? I No, uh, only be, but only because there's so many things that we haven't seen yet. Uh, and that's the, that's the secondary getting back to good health. That's a full defensive line with Brissy, XT, Tyler Davis, and KJ all playing and, and Rook, um, all healthy. And, um, yeah. And, and the linebackers really coming into their own, like it, it's, it, it has a chance to still be a special, special defense. And then of course the offense is just doing something we haven't really seen. They've slowly progressed game by game. And it's, it's, we're so used to more of a clunky, you know, Good, good product, but not necessarily consistent. Save it for the end. Um, but so far, this has just been kind of a linear improvement, a game by game with the offense, and that's a lot. Again, thanks to DJ, the the ceiling is very high. It's not. I'm not willing to say it's 16 or 15 or uh, certainly not 18. Um, but but it's it's getting there. It's getting to where it's like I think I could see this team winning a championship. What are two things? What five months from now, Clemson's a natty champ. What are the two things that improved between now and then that got us over the hump? What are the two keys to that? Both lines of scrimmage is what I would say. Offensive line improving even more, uh, getting stronger in the run. Defensive line coming back healthy and being more disruptive with tackles for loss and sacks. I, I would say the offensive line in the secondary. Like I think the defensive line, again, I think the front seven is there. I think, yeah, we got I think we got the depth across the defensive line. We've already shown that. Um, so, yeah, definitely for me, the secondary coming along, getting some guys healthy, and then offensive line improving to the point. The pass pro is good, and it was pretty decent last year, but need to get more of a push in the run game, open up some holes. I mean, in this, in 2022, to win a natty, you have to be a high-powered throwing offense. Like, you just have to. We are going to face at least one of those, if not two in the playoff. So I think you're right, Ben, like the ability to limit that, or at least not just get completely exposed is critical. And I think Cody, you need more than just a line that can get pressure to do that. You got it. Like offensive coordinators are going to find ways to pick you apart. I mean, we even saw it against Georgia tech. They were moving the ball to the outside. They were playing the screen game. And that was the first game of the season kind of stymieing our, our pressure from our front our front front four. So, uh, and that was Georgia tech. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, Ben. I think it's the secondary. Um, yeah, I think you, you gotta have an elite receiver emerge though. Like yeah. we, you know, as much as I want to agree with you guys on the O-line, um, did, I don't know how this O-line as it is compares to some of the championship O-lines Clemson has had but I do know the receivers that we have now are not at the level of the ones we had when we climbed the mountain. So that's going to be my answer. I think one big difference between this team and those previous teams that, that, that we're going to have to see how it goes this year is 
those previous teams were blowing out people early in the season. We ran a lot of guys, a hundred guys, you know, out there, um, which not only helped build depth, which really I think paid off more the next season for some of those guys further down the depth chart, like third string. Um, but what it did is it kept um, the first and second teamers fresh throughout the season. So I think the first and second teamers on this team are going to have to, um, you know, put in more, you know, carry more of the load throughout this season. Now you do have about a month long break between an ACC championship game and a, and a playoff game for guys to get healthy, but that is going to be one difference this year than those previous, previous four uh, national championship game teams. Well, and unless Clemson can build leads and then you can get those, you can run 80, 90, hundred guys out again, Ben. And I know you're right over the next three, four or five weeks, that won't happen. Louisville, give me a break. Dog shit. Um, Miami, pretty dog shit too. South Carolina. South Carolina, they're the, they're the bowl. They're still trying to name their chicken. Well, I was just going to say, I, I feel like one thing that's markedly different on the offense, I think we have a better offensive coordinator. We hit on it a little bit last, last week. I think we have a better offensive coordinator. I, I, I think that will mitigate some, some parts of uh, some weaknesses a little bit. And by the way, to say we have a better offensive coordinator, we have a better offensive coordinator for an ACC regular season schedule. Tony Elliott was really good in postseason games for the most part. Um, how Streeter, what he brings to the table against the best competition, I don't know. But he's, I think he's a better in-season coordinator right now. I can say that. Like I feel pretty confident saying that. Well, I don't think we've really seen the – impact of Kyle Richardson emerge yet I think because of the receiver carousel of talent we've had going through I I look to see that sort of influence the playbook a little bit I think you have seen Richardson's impact on the tight ends I mean that's been night and day so yeah props to him he's like an unsung hero here behind the scenes on offense and then your favorite Grisham is probably the ACC coach of the year Tyler Grisham let's hope so So all right. I will um, say, guys, this is this has been such a fun season bouncing back from last year and just seeing this team grow and improve and, and and kind of, you know, they've been living the last couple of years. They've been living in the shadows of all those previous teams, Deshaun's teams and Trevor's teams. Um, but to go through that, what we went through last year and then watching these guys bounce back, the recruiting is still going on strong, still have a lot of young guys, freshmen coming in as playmakers right away. Um yeah, it's, it's really exciting. So, yeah, it's been great to see the bounce back and great to follow this team this year. I agree more. It's a lot of fun. Um, fun is in the winning. You know, we might not be in the ACC that much longer, I hope. Um, and, yeah, you know, it's it's been really it's been really enjoyable, Ben. You're right. Um, so glad not to be an Alabama fan. Like, it's great to win it every year, but – yeah, you don't you know, appreciate it as much. Joyless wins. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's let's use that as a moment to pivot. Let's take a look at the college football scoreboard. Um, this week, good amount of upsets across college football, like within the top 25, some near upsets. Pretty fun kind of pace of the Saturday that, that emerged. Um, I know you had Washington, UCLA on Friday night. That was a pretty fun atmosphere. Not really. The Rose Bowl is empty, but uh, always good to get the, the weird Pac-12 after dark upset in um, at some point in the season. Um, guys, but I obviously Clemson with like the nightcap game, kind of keeping an eye on games throughout the day. 
Um, the ones that obviously were top of mind for a lot of people were Georgia Mizzou and then Alabama, Arkansas, like both of those top two teams in the country were down at points or, you know, I'm sorry, Arkansas never went up on Alabama, but they threatened late in the third um, before. And that was right around the time that Bryce Young went out with a shoulder injury. Yeah, um, it was 28, so, 23. It got within. Yeah. And it was a, that was at a point, Ben, where there were like weird turnovers from Bama. Arkansas ran like a, you know, a sneak onside kick that Saban wasn't ready for. Um, they basically went down like three three series in a row and scored touchdowns like back to back to back just to pull that pull that score where it was. Um, but then Alabama just put in their backup who's like Michael Vick basically. And that was that like Bama scored 21 in the fourth quarter. Um, so look, like, yeah, if Bryce Young is hurt, like what is what does that do to Alabama's ceiling? I think it it takes them down a notch and. You know, if they, it's not like they struggled with the Arkansas. I don't know if there's, there's definitely not a team in the SEC West that can challenge them. Um, but that's something like if they're a little bit shaky and then they lose to Georgia handily in the SEC title game, like it, it is going to matter who else is there, whether Bama gets in. But Saban said Bryce Young's had this kind of shoulder injury before. He should be fine. He bounces back pretty quickly. Um, so I don't think it's anything like Bama's not going anywhere. They're going to, they're going to be there. They're, they will remain a top two team. Um, my, my bigger question is like, from a defensive standpoint, it sure looked like they were, they were pretty discombobulated, especially in their secondary on this one. And they, they still get a ton of penalties. So. Yeah. Cause you know, Arkansas is not exactly known for their offense. Remember they were struggling against yours too at Texas before he went down. Right. So it just seems like Bama's a little bit shaky and undisciplined on the defensive side, which is like new. So that's something to, to look out for. I mean, I always love to see him play like a Lane Kiffin team at Ole Miss. And they're not exactly the high powered teams that they have been either. But um, anyway, the SEC schedule should be interesting from here on out. Yeah, I think um, nothing is settled right now, especially after seeing Georgia, you know, you know, we can still question their offensive ability this year with Stetson Bennett. I know they're bringing him back, but, you know, I don't think anybody really expects him to go into the NFL and have a prolonged career uh, by any stretch of the imagination. So, yeah, it's been a, a super interesting season. Again, I, I think maybe we can start chalking this up to, to more parity around college football, um, again, with the transfer port on the NIL, which is ultimately what we hoped it all would lead to once we got through some of the chaos that we're still experiencing right now. Um, you saw, you've seen what good it's done for Texas A&M to go out and throw gobs of money at kids. Um, so you also have to have the coaching to go along with that, um, which we know isn't Jimbo's strong point. Um, so yeah, no, it's just been a really fun season. You mentioned, you know, Michigan there, are they fool's gold, um, this year? I know we say Iowa has the, you know, had the number one defense or something like that in the country, but who has Iowa played? You know, they, you know, held, South Dakota State to three, Iowa State to, to 10, Nevada to zero, Rutgers to 10. I mean, who, who are we talking about here? Um, so I think, again, five games into the season, it's hard to know with any of these, these teams, really. You know, you make your assumptions about your Alabamas, Georgias, and Ohio States. Uh, but still a lot of football left to be played and a lot of exciting matchups on the schedule um, in conference play for, for both the SEC and the Big Ten. Um, leading forward into this season, I don't really see the Big 12 making an impact um, on the college football playoff uh, this year, and neither with the Pac-12. So I think it's back to the the same old, same old 
SEC, Big Ten, and, and Clemson, as Herb Street and Fowler said on the broadcast. Yeah, I saw you mentioned parity, Ben. I saw somewhere, um, and told you might have more information on analytics. At, once you get past Clemson at five, so you have Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, and Clemson. I don't know, maybe not in that order, but those five teams, like the difference between six and say 25, there's not a lot, there's not a huge gap. So that to me is an indicator of parity. But not only that, I don't think the top end is quite as good this year as it was. I think it was a murderous stretch from mm-hmm. Clemson's 18 championship, LSU the next year, and um, in Alabama in 2020. 2021, 2020, um, it took a step back last year. I don't, I think Georgia won in a down year. Um, and this year I think I, not, nothing, I mean, Hey, we won a champion championship. That's great. But I'm just saying, I don't think it's an all-time team that's going to win a championship this year. So it makes things more approachable or accessible for, you know, a top 10, top 15 team. Yeah. Well, I mean, you think about it, you know, we always generally see at least one, maybe two blowouts in the uh, semifinal games in the college football playoff. Right. If I'm looking at the top four teams right now, make it top five to throw Clemson in that mix. I don't necessarily see a lot of blowouts um, with those matchups right now. Um, I, I do think four and five Michigan and Clemson would probably be the most likely to, to, to fall to defeat of, you know, some magnitude like that, but um, yeah, I think it is closer amongst the team's bunch at the top, like Cody said. And, you know, as you look down the list, it's hard to, to know who to, to really trust. Anybody can beat anybody on any given day. Tennessee, I'm interested in. Yeah, um, they're interesting. I, There's I just think, been a lot of shuffling in the top 10 yeah. overall this year, um, which is, I think, good to see. Touch but the wood, top, the top five has remained steady. Um, for, yeah. for the most part, uh, we'll see what USC is made of. I'm not bought in on them yet. I think they're um, probably pretty overrated still at this point. I don't expect Lincoln Riley to go in there and turn that around in one season. Um, they're your number six team, by the way. So I know whether or not they're six or twenty six, who knows? But yeah, yeah, yeah they have a they have a pretty light sky. I mean, they they're at Utah in two or uh, I guess in two weeks, October fifteenth. Um, at Utah, that'll be a really interesting, tough test for them because I think Utah's really legit. Um, Florida rose up and beat Utah. Like, I still think Utah is a pretty solid, like, top 10 caliber type team. Um, USC's rivals are UCLA and Notre Dame. They get those back to back to end the season. That'll also be an interesting stretch. So, there's a loss there. So, I watched UCLA, yeah. who's also undefeated. They might, they might be the best team in Southern California. I might have had a small wager on a late night Pac 12 game uh, that helped you know, keep my interest, but yeah, they're, they're a good team. And, and uh, yeah, they're playing Utah. They're at Utah is at UCLA this weekend. So. Yeah. That'll be good to kind of calibrate those teams, but um, yeah, we'll see about USC. I agree with you, Ben, like Tennessee. I just think like for Clemson fans getting a bent out of shape that we were only ranked fifth after having two ranked wins, none of the other top five haven't even a single ranked win. Go ahead and get angry. It's week five. Doesn't matter. Going can to work I, itself out. Keep can winning. I say in 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 like the defense of the person that has the inferiority complex, it, it's just part of who Clemson is a little bit. After so before we like I guess 2015, we got to the playoff, won the championship, almost won. We always got the benefit of the doubt. We were sl- slated in at number two after we stunk it up early in the season. Always got number two. Once we once we had one down year, one down season, which was last season. 
uh, we have to earn it all, all over again. It's like, we don't get the benefit of the doubt. Ohio state, Michigan, right above us every time. But no, whether, we? Hey, totally, whether I, well, I but wait, we, Cody, we like started four. what was it? Right. Like, <laughs> yes. Thank you, Ben. You can leave. We were ranked fourth going into this year after that. Yeah. I think we definitely a got the benefit of the doubt. Season. I, I think where people's gripe is, is should we be over Michigan, Ohio state? But just like you guys just said, because we should be over Michigan, Michigan or Ohio state, or even Georgia. I, I'd say Michigan is our strongest argument right now. I'm not, not going to go so far as say Georgia, Ohio state. And you're basing that off the fact that Georgia was really good last year. They have a good win against Oregon, right? Yeah. They but killed who Oregon else? who's four and one right now and has a couple. Yeah. Decent sure. wins. I'd say Georgia, Georgia, like Clemson has the best win, North Carolina state. Georgia has the second best win. And theirs was like way more decisive than ours was even against NC state. And look, I know 30 to 20, that does not tell the, the whole tale of this week for Clemson. Still, I think Georgia has like the best win of the top five, call it. Okay. Ohio so, State barely beat Notre Dame. That's pretty mid. Right. Yeah, so, so put Georgia aside. Just look at Ohio State and Michigan. Should we not be ahead of them? I think we should, but who cares? Doesn't do it. Doesn't matter at all. Hey, do you think I, a recruit? Do you think a recruit is going to be like? I'm I not going to go to Clemson. No, no, no. Don't do that. Five. I don't don't do that thing whether or not it matters right now, because that's not the argument. We we all know it doesn't matter. It's just for argument's sake. And that's why we have podcasts and such. We know it doesn't matter and I don't care, but the point, but it's like you do. No, I I don't. I just, I, I'm just making an argument on behalf of the people that like do kind of feel like perplexed when they see we're at five and we just beat NC state and we did it, you know, pretty decisively. And, you know, we don't overtake Michigan or high state to me. It's just, just like, okay, it's a little bit of laziness on the part of the, on the AP. Go um, watch some natty highlight films. It's great. Wait a minute. But I, I, you guys haven't answered my question. You, your your uh, retort was, it doesn't matter. It's like, no shit, it doesn't matter. But are we better than Ohio State or Michigan? How we, what you seen on film? What do you think? We're better than Michigan. I don't, but I don't, I don't, trust, I don't, tr- I don't trust Ben's I don't. opinion <laughs> on anything related to Michigan. So, I need I need Tully's like more level. We were better than Michigan last year. <laughs> uh, you're not gonna like my answer, Cody, but I'm I'm gonna default to what advanced rankings say. And I think Clemson's actually like sixth, maybe nationally in the in the composite advanced rankings. Like Who's five. Um Kansas. USC. <laughs> might be Kansas. I mean, this is great. This is great podcast material here as we surf the internet for advanced stats. But um, totally. By the way, I think Michigan. I saw Michigan play on Saturday. I think they're better than Clemson. I haven't seen Ohio yeah, State play. I mean, so my, I'm just I'm just demonstrating that I can argue from both sides. But I, I I think it's a fair like it's something to consider. Like, are we better than Michigan or Ohio State? That's all I'm saying. Um. Okay. This is this is hilarious. I do not agree with this. Wait a minute. Could this possibly be true? Clemson is 13th in the composite advanced stats rankings. Um, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Oklahoma fifth. Like, look, yes. I don't know if this is updated through this last weekend. It can't be. No. And especially not after like the K-State game. And then after that, you've got Minnesota, Penn State, Utah, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Texas, and LSU. Like half those teams are not better than Clemson. Like, but 
it, a lot of the advanced stats have to do with like on this down and distance, can you get your, can you get your yards or can you prevent the other team from getting their yards? Like it is. And how good was that offense against the same type of situations? Like this is how you calibrate across opponents. Listen, I don't need math to tell me what my eyes see. Okay. That sounds like Charles Barkley. I love it though. I kind of yeah. agree too, because, uh, Clemson well, is really hard for the analytics to peg yes, because of how they run these players. No, like and Georgia Tech algorithms. Right. And I don't even know what an algorithm is. It yes, like Clemson is not like overexerting itself to get every last inch that was available to it, right? On these plays. But doing enough to win, like that is a hallmark, I think, of Dabo teams. And um yeah, so. I don't know, Cody. Like, I, I, I think the point being is there's no clear cut. It's not nearly as clear cut this year as it's been in years past. Like, again, I, I think yeah. anybody in the top five or the, sorry, the top 25, we could go up against, especially on the road and certainly lose to them um, right, right now. Yeah. the I think the, like the quality of that, like I'll call it like the third tier of teams has definitely elevated. And maybe you're right, Cody, the top tier has, you know, declined some, I even just talking tiers, like I think there's kind of like a top shelf of teams that I would put Clemson like behind them, certainly, but not that far off from a talent perspective from and a coaching perspective from those top four that are now ahead of us. But I'm fine with Clemson being fifth because Clemson has not put a complete both sides of the ball four quarter game together yet either. So and we've been hurt. I agree. And, and, you know, part of, uh, you know, what the analytics can't quite capture is, is growth over the course of the season. Right. Or did they put, or is yeah, there a recency factor there? They do make adjustments for that as time goes on. Like a lot of in the first like four or even five weeks, a lot of it is based on preseason rankings. We'll have like an overarching effect on the total number that comes out, but at, over the course of the season, actual recent results will trump that. Okay. I don't want to talk about this anymore. My brain hurts. <laughs> Let's move along. Uh, well, how about what are you guys looking at ahead for this weekend? I mean, I don't think there was that much movement around Clemson in the ACC. Like we mentioned, Wake got the win. I agree that makes Clemson look better. Clemson's performance last week where they went into Tallahassee um, took care of business. You know, Wake is going to continue to be ranked in like the top 15 or so. Um, they went down and put up 31 on FSU. FSU has a good offense. They Wake's pretty crappy defense. Florida State only scored 21 at home against Wake. So um, that makes me feel good for the Clemson matchup two weeks from now. It's going to be a night game. Sure, it'll be loud there, but we do owe them a home ass kicking after that 2020 situation. How about this weekend? What are you guys looking looking ahead to? Um, I think this... Tennessee LSU game is going to be interesting. You know, LSU has bounced back. You have a win over Mississippi State. Um, to be four and one at this point in the season. Tennessee goes on the road there to Baton Rouge. So that'll be a big test for Tennessee. I think we'll come out knowing whether or not they're the real deal or not. Um, TCU and Kansas, I think this is the moment where Kansas gets slaughtered like they should. Um, but TCU, though, I mean – they have a new head coach who's an air raid guy. Like they came from, we're used to TCU being like a ground and pound defense first Gary Patterson kind of guy, complete identity change. That's interesting. I mean, I don't know. It is the big 12. So it's like, we'll have to see them do that all season. They, they're going to have to go undefeated to make the playoff, but 
it's it's one to watch. It's interesting. They played a team called Tarleton. Tarleton. They Tarleton. did kick Oklahoma's ass. That is true. They won't be the last. That used to mean something. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Probably won't be the last. We've kicked their ass plenty of times. Um, How about, yeah, Utah, UCLA, Cody, you mentioned that. That's going to be interesting. Um, Washington State at USC. That's going to be a, a first kind of big test for USC. Um, South Carolina is going to get beat pretty bad by Kentucky, I hope. Um, Definitely. BYU, Notre Dame. Is this Notre Dame's third loss? Um, that's, you know, really going to kind of change the narrative going into our game in South Bend. And, you know, I think no matter what, it's still going to have prestige just because of what Notre Dame is as a brand. Um, and of course, Clemson, who they are. Um, but that's not going to be the matchup. I think that we thought it was going into this season. Um, but I'm going to be just as happy once we beat their ass and DJ gets some revenge, um, on touchdown Jesus there. Um, it's another night game for Clemson. I mean, that's a lot this season. Already. Let's see how NC State bounces back against Florida State at home this weekend. That's going to be tough for NC State to kind of follow up this game in Death Valley. Um, and we'll kind of get a gauge of, of, of how good Florida State is, too, especially since we're going to have them coming up the following weekend in Tallahassee. Absolutely. That'll be good. All right, guys. Um, good show. Big win. Nice to recap it with both of you. Um, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Thank you, everyone. Please take the time. Head over to youtube.com slash Clemson podcast. Subscribe to us over there. Maybe watch us talk about this game if you'd like. Um, for those who have already done so, we appreciate it. We're trying this video thing out as we go. Um, probably get you know better at that as we have over time with the audio podcast. We still make no proclamations or commitments to quality of video or audio or audio video of any kind. Um, that is our, our promise to you. Um, really appreciate everyone tuning in, whatever format or medium that you choose to consume the podcast. Please leave us a review. Please tell a friend. Please engage with us on social media. We are on Facebook and Twitter. Um, you guys got anything else? Indiana plus 22 at home against Michigan. 9 a.m. Is that your Ben Lock of the Week? Take it. All right. Interesting. Tully, Tully, did you say youtube.com? Um, that's youtube.com, right? Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure. That's case, the one. In case someone out there has never, you know, they're not familiar with it. I was saying yeah. how to get to our channel, but. Well, there is youtube.tv. That's true. Don't worry. I, I'll tell my, I'll give my mom the proper instruction on how to get to our YouTube channel. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, go Tigers. Go Tigers.